Welcome to episode 153 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for May 13th, 2010. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. On this week's episode of the Fredcast, a UK driver gets a life sentence for killing a cyclist. The atop Caledonia will go on without protest. Niner Bikes recalls some products. The Giro d'Italia is underway and the Tour of California is coming. Plus, Google Maps for Android gets cycling directions. And teenagers can't buy flat repair kits. Following the news, Think Pink Cycling interview, a product review of Audio Bones, some upcoming events, and of course, pod safe cycling music. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike, hammer just a little bit harder because here comes the Fredcast. Hey, fellow Freds, welcome back to the Fredcast. I gotta tell you, there's something about that music. It just jazzes me up. It's great to be back here with you. Welcome back to another episode of the Fredcast. And this episode of the Fredcast is sponsored by Keen Footwear. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about footwear. I'm going to talk to you about the Keen Coronado Cruiser. This has become my casual shoe of choice. They're cool looking. They're great for riding your cruiser bike or your platform pedal bike. You know what? They're pretty comfortable as well. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They feature canvas on one side of the shoe and leather on the other. Leather's on the inside so that, for instance, if you are pedaling and you get a little bit close to that crank arm, you're not going to wear out the canvas. They have a really well-protected toe box, just like most Keen shoes, and the sole is made out of recycled rubber. Keen is always looking forward to helping you take care of the environment, not just get you outdoors, but help you take care of the outdoors. And right on the pedaling portion of the shoe, right where the ball of your foot would be as you're standing on your platform pedals, not only is there a plate inside the sole to make sure that you get good power transfer to the pedals, but there's also a really nice soft rubber to make sure that you can continue to grip the pedals no matter what. These come in both men's and women's versions. I've got them in sort of a beige and brown. They call it dark earth and brindle. Uh, I wore them uh, when I was in Amsterdam. I'm wearing them all over here in Utah. And if you catch me at the Tour of California next week, chances are I'll probably be wearing my Coronado Cruisers. Coronado Cruisers retail for about $80. Check them out at www.thefredcast.com and click on that Keen banner. We thank Keen so much for sponsoring the Fredcast, and we thank you for supporting Keen. And now, let's get to the news for this week's episode of the Fredcast. Our first story this week concerns a driver in the UK. This story is sad, but it has a just ending. It seems that 42-year-old warehouse worker and cyclist Paul Webb was cycling home from his job one day when he accidentally clipped the side mirror of Sean Fitzgerald's car. Fitzgerald got angry, had a confrontation with Webb, and then chased him for 300 yards with his car before ramming the back of Webb's mountain bike, catapulting him into the air and into a wall, and then driving away. Webb died at the scene 
of massive internal injuries. Fitzgerald went home, hosed off the front of his silver Ford Taurus, and then drove to a mechanic for repairs just hours later. Several weeks later, the killer handed himself in to police after he admitted colliding with Webb and then claiming that it was an accident. At trial, he was found guilty of murder and causing death by dangerous driving. While in custody awaiting trial, Mr. Fitzgerald called his wife and said that he was only, quote, sorry about his car. In sentencing Fitzgerald to life in prison, Warwick Crown Court Judge Richard Griffiths-Jones said, quote, It seems to me that the phone conversations you had while remanded in custody have revealed no regret over the death of Mr. Webb. There are no words to describe the effect that your actions and the consequent death have had on the family of Mr. Webb. This action was precipitated by the fact that he had accidentally damaged the wing mirror of your car. You then decided to drive at him using your car as a weapon. I reject your claim that provocation from the victim diminishes the sentence. It was out of all proportion to then take this man's life. Webb's girlfriend of 11 years, Nadia Wazea, said, quote, Paul was kind, considerate, easygoing, and the kind of person who people admired and looked to for support. I sincerely believe that this was not Paul's time to leave the earth. Together, we've been denied the lives together and plans we had. Our thoughts and sympathies go out to Ms. Wazia, but I've got to say that it should provide some comfort that finally the driver was given a just sentence in the case of the tragic death of a cyclist. Meanwhile, here in the United States, it seems the tour of Missouri is facing its own possibility of death this year. The race scheduled to be run from August 31st through September 6th is in a bit of a financial bind. State lawmakers originally earmarked $1 million from the Division of Tourism to the Tour of Missouri. But at this point, with the state of Missouri looking to make budget cuts and the Division of Tourism itself looking to cut 5 to $7 million alone, the Tourism Division says that it now needs the money for more pressing projects that have, quote, greater statewide benefit, unquote. Just in case you're wondering, the three previous tours of Missouri got a total of $6 million in public money, and they're now looking at a total of zero. According to Tourism Commission Chairwoman Marcy Bennett, quote, the state money is not going toward the race. I hope the race organizers can pull it a, ra- a rabbit out of a hat as far as corporate sponsors. Tour of California begins this coming weekend, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few moments. But the Tour of California appears to be the only race here in the United States of any proportion, the only stage race that seems to be relatively safe when it comes to sponsorship and international attention. The Tour of Utah has had its own financial issues over the last couple of years, as has the Tour de Georgia. According to Chris Arnholt, the managing partner of Medalist Sports, the company that puts on the Tour of Missouri, the Tour de Georgia, and the Tour of California, they simply cannot make this happen without support of the state. But there is some hope. On the one hand, Arnholt says that there are some other interested geographic locations here in the United States that might be interested in taking the same time slot. 
it's also possible that with the right amount of public pressure that the state of Missouri Division of Tourism might reverse course and grant the race the $1 million funds. You can help. I've put a link in the show notes to a petition, an online petition that you can sign to try to get the State Division of Tourism to change course. Go to www.thefredcast, check out the show notes for show number 153, sign the petition as I have, and hopefully we'll be able to see the Tour of Missouri go off without a hitch. There is one other possibility as well. Just like the presence of Lance Armstrong put a shot in the arm in the Tour Down Under this year, just like it puts a shot in the arm to the Tour of the Gila, and also last year, uh, as it did in the Leadville Trail 100, and of course the Tour of California last year and this year, organizers of the Tour of Missouri are hoping that Lance Armstrong will consider doing the Tour of Missouri as his return to stage racing here in the States after the Tour de France. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that the Tour of Missouri happens this year. It sure would help if you signed that petition. An event that will go on this year and will go on without protest is the McMillan Cancer Support Etap Caledonia. This is an event that typically has about 4,500 participants in the Scottish Highlands and is a distance of about 130 kilometers with a total ascent of just under 2,000 meters. This takes place this weekend, May the 16th, as I said, in the Scottish Highlands. And you may recall we talked about this last year when a protest group decided to throw tacks all over the road and throw the atop Caledonia into complete chaos. This year, however, the group that many thought was involved in that protest Acre, or Anti-Closed Road Events, has said that they will not protest the event, partly because of last year's protest, which they have completely disavowed and said that they had nothing to do with. Now, the issue here is that the Atop Caledonia is the UK's only closed road event, and this group, Acre, backs an open road alternative And as a result, they've decided that they will not protest. Instead, advocating that beginning in 2012, when the current ETOP organizers contract ends, that the new organizers will opt for an open road event instead. According to Peter Hunnam, a spokesman for Acre, quote, as of a few weeks ago, even the issue of demonstrating is in abeyance. We are not anti-cycling. And we hope to heal a few wounds cyclists feel they have with us. It, we have always argued it's a battle not with the cycling community, but with the Perth and Kinross town councils and other authorities, including the police, who have unwisely given their backing for the road closures. Of equal significance is last year's sabotaging of the Atap Caledonia race. Acre affirmably played no part in this criminal act and condemned it outright, but The group is concerned this year's race will attract a focus of the whole of Scotland for all the wrong reasons. It believes the animosity and anger generated by the attack must be given a chance to fade. So for those of you who will be taking part in the Atop Caledonia in the Scottish Highlands this weekend, have a great ride. I hope you have tailwinds and smooth roads without thumbtacks.
There's a new product recall this week, and this one for Niner Bikes Jet 9 models. Now, originally, this recall was issued as a voluntary recall from Niner Bikes. It is now a mandatory recall backed by the United States Consumer Product Safety Commission for about 750 Jet 9 bikes. The problem here was that there was a welding deficiency that could cause the frames to crack along the welds of the front triangle. Guess what? Causing the rider to lose control and crash. Now, Niner had not received any reports of injuries, but had received 53 reports of cracks along the welds while the bikes were in use. Now, originally, when this was a voluntary recall, I got to say, Niner totally stepped up to the plate. They were offering their customers the opportunity to purchase a second bike while they awaited Niner's fix for the Jet 9 problems, and the second bike was going to be able to be purchased at a deep discount and then when the Jet 9 solution was available, they'd get their Jet 9 fixed for free and they'd end up with two bikes at an amazing price. The second option was just to completely make the switch to a new bike at no charge or wait, not use their Jet 9, and then get a gift certificate toward a future Niner purchase. All of this while Niner was working on the fix to the Jet 9 problem. That, folks in my book, gets them a gold star because they really stepped up and took care of their customers. Now, however, the recall is official. The fix is available. If you've got a Jet 9 bike, stop using it right away and contact Niner at 877-646-3792 or go to NinerBikes.com or simply go to the show notes for tonight's show where there is a link to Niner's announcement and the CPSC announcement so that you can get your bike taken care of. Well, let's get on to some competitive cycling news, starting with a new world record in the women's 3,000-meter individual pursuit. This was set on Tuesday at the Pan American Cycling Championships in Aguascalientes, Mexico by Sarah Hammer of the United States. She finished the race in three minutes, 22.269 seconds, and that's more than two seconds faster than the previous world record set by New Zealand's Sarah Ulmer at the 2004 Olympics in Athens, Greece. Now, the UCI did not immediately verify the world record, but USA Cycling is expecting that it will happen in the coming days. Now, later that day, Sarah Hammer won the gold medal final in the 3,000-meter individual pursuit by beating Maria Luisa Calle of Colombia. We've now reached the heart of professional cycling season with the first of the three annual Grand Tours just starting. The Giro d'Italia began on Sunday, May the 8th, in Amsterdam with a 5.2-mile individual time trial through the streets of Amsterdam. The winner of Stage 1, that individual time trial, was Team Sky's Bradley Wiggins in 10 minutes, 18 seconds. In second place, two seconds behind from Team BMC in the United States, Brent Bookwalter. Third place went to the world champion in road racing, Australia, and BMC's Cadell Evans, the same time as Brent Bookwalter. Fourth place went to Alexander Vinokurov from Kazakhstan and Team Astana. Fifth, to New Zealand's Greg Henderson from Team Sky. That means four of the top five all 
native English speakers, a very big deal. That stage taking place in wet and windy weather through the streets of Amsterdam. Speaking of native English speakers, stage two, a 130-mile road stage from Amsterdam to Utrecht, went to the United States and Garmin Transitions rider Tyler Farah in four hours, 56 minutes, and 46 seconds. The rest of the top 10 all coming in at the same time. Second place in that stage going to Matthew Goss. Third to Fabio Sabatino. Fourth, Andre Greipel. Fifth to Alessandro Pitaki. Transferring the Malia Rosa or the leader's jersey in the Giro d'Italia, that pink jersey that the leaders wear in the Giro, from the shoulders of Bradley Wiggins to the world champion Cadell Evans. Stage two was marred by numerous crashes along the course as the the riders ran into huge obstacles of road furniture strewn across the road, including the winner of stage two, Tyler Farah, who went down, recovered, got back up, and was able to win the stage. The third stage was a 140-mile stage on relatively flat roads from Amsterdam to Middleburg, also marked by numerous crashes throughout the day. At the end of the stage, it was Belgium's Wouter Whelens winning in five hours and six seconds. Second place going to Graham Brown from Australia. Third to Robert Forster from Germany. Fourth, Danilo Hondo from Germany. And fifth, Adam Blythe from Britain. At the end of the third stage, Cadell Evans had relinquished the Malia Rosa was not very happy about it, and it was going on to the shoulders of Kazakhstan's Alexander Vinokorov. Second place in the GC, Rich Port. Third, David Miller. Fourth, Vincenzo Nibali. And fifth, Marcel Seberg from Germany. Tuesday was a rest slash transfer day for the riders, and it was looking for a time like they may have been delayed by that Icelandic volcano, but the ash cloud moved away, allowing the riders to make their way down to Italy for stage four and my favorite event of the Grand Tours, the team time trial. At the end of the fourth stage, Likigas had taken victory in 36 minutes and 37 seconds. Team Sky coming in second, 13 seconds back. Third place going to Team HTC Columbia, 21 seconds back of Likigas. Fourth place was Team Katusha, 27 seconds back. And Alexander Vinokorov's Team Astana coming in in fifth place, 38 seconds behind the winner of the stage, Team Likigas. Following stage four, Vincenzo Nibali took over as the Malia Rosa. Ivan Basso was in second. Valerio Agnoli was in third. Matthew Harley Goss was in fourth. And Andre Greipel was in fifth. Today's stage five was a 162-kilometer affair from Novara to Novi Liguri. Today's stage was a bit unusual because a three-man breakaway took off shortly after the stage began and was within sight of the main pack within the final 100 meters of the race when it looked like there was a good chance that this breakaway could be caught within those last few hundred meters, but they stayed away, and Jerome Pinot from France and Team Quickstep won the stage in 3 hours, 45 minutes, and 59 seconds. His compatriots in the breakaway, Julien Fouchard from France and Team Kofidis, came in second, and Yukia Arashiro, from Japan and Team Buig Telecom 
came in third. Coming in fourth was Tyler Farah from the United States, four seconds back. Greg Henderson from New Zealand was in fifth, followed by Alessandro Pataki, Graham Brown, Andre Greipel, Sebastian Hayedo, and William Bonnet. No changes in the general classification at this point, with the Malia Rosa staying on the shoulders of Vincenzo Nibali. One note from the Giro d'Italia regarding Christian Vandevelde. As I mentioned, stages two and three were marred by numerous crashes as the riders made their way through the streets and roads of Holland. One of the riders to go down was U.S. rider Christian Vandevelde, who unfortunately had to go undergo surgery on his injured shoulder in Antwerp on Tuesday. This occurred during the third stage, as I said, of the Giro d'Italia, and coincidentally, Christian crashed during the third stage of last year's Giro when he broke five vertebrae, had a broken pelvis, and broken ribs. And if you remember, he managed to still come back and finish eighth in the Tour de France. According to Van de Velde, he will, quote, do everything I can to be on the start line at the Tour de France. I mean, an injured shoulder compared to last year? Psh, Christian might win it this year. One more note for those of you who want to watch the Giro d'Italia live and have an iPhone. I got a press release a couple of days ago touting the virtues of the technologies from Akamai. Akamai, as you may know, is server-based software for helping stream content over the internet. And the press release mentioned an app from Gazzetta dello Sport, which is the Italian sporting news magazine that sponsors and puts on the Giro d'Italia. I found the app on the iTunes store, installed it on my phone, and I got to tell you, this thing is magical. When the race is going on, you're able to watch live video streamed to your iPhone not just over Wi-Fi, but over 3G and Edge as well. And when you're on a good 3G or Wi-Fi connection, the video quality can be nothing short of stunning. I tweeted about it today, and I was stunned also by the number of responses I got from people who downloaded it and were able to watch and couldn't believe the video quality. The app is free. I get nothing from it other than the satisfaction of knowing that you have the opportunity to view live video on your phone as well. I've got links in the show notes to where you can find the app. It is the Gazzetta dello Sport iPhone app. Now, the only thing that you need to know about using it is that you don't need to know Italian. It's quite simple. When you open up the app, if the race is going on, you will find a bar across the bottom of the screen just above the menu bar that appears at the bottom of a lot of iPhone apps. Written on the bar are the words Garda la diretta della corsa. Garda la diretta della corsa. If you push that button, another screen will show up with a larger button that says the exact same thing. Tap that. And pretty soon you'll be watching live video direct from the streets and roads of Italy. I hope you enjoy it. I love the fact that it's free. And as so many people have commented to me today, I sure hope that they have a similar app for the Tour de France and the Vuelta a España later this year. Check it out. 
Links are in the show notes. The next major international cycling event takes place beginning this coming Sunday, May the 16th, running through Sunday, May the 23rd. It's time for the 2010 Amgen Tour of California when three-time winner Levi Leipheimer from Team Radio Shack will be going for number four. This is perhaps the strongest field of racers we've seen at the Tour of California ever, including three Tour de France podium finishers, including Lance Armstrong, the seven-time winner of the Tour de France, Andy Schleck from Team Saxo Bank, who took second last year in 2009 when Lance took third, and also including Levi Leipheimer, who took third in 2007. How about world champions? Looking for some of them? How about Lance Armstrong, Lars Boom, Tom Bonin, Yanis Brokovic, Fabian Consolara, Mark Cavendish, Michael Rogers, Tom Leeser, and Yaroslav Popovich. Still not convinced we have a strong field? Olympic medalists Lance Armstrong, Teo Bowes, Fabian Consolara, Hayden Rouston, Brett Lancaster, Levi Leipheimer, and Stuart O'Grady. And let's not forget winners of American stage races, including three-time Tour of California winner himself, Levi Leipheimer, Chris Horner, Lance Armstrong, Tom Danielson, Dave Zabriskie, Janidz Brockovich, and the big man, George Hincapie. This year's race includes Team Garmin Transitions, Licky Gas, Quickstep, Rabobank, HTC Columbia, Radio Shack, Saxobank, BMC, Cervelo Test, Bissell, Fly the Australia, Jelly Belly, presented by Kenda, Kelly Benefit Strategies, Spider Tech, Team Type 1, and United Healthcare, presented by Maxis. This year's race is an eight-stage affair beginning Sunday, May the 16th, instead of beginning with a time trial. In Sacramento, as we did last year, it's a road race from Nevada City to Sacramento. Stage two Monday takes the riders from Davis to Santa Rosa, where instead of doing finishing circuits, there will be just one pass through the finish line. On Tuesday, the riders will go from San Francisco to Santa Cruz, Wednesday, San Jose to Modesto, Thursday, Visalia to Bakersfield, until the Queen stage on Friday, as the riders race from Palmdale, not Pasadena, that's a change, from Palmdale to Big Bear Lake with some massive climbs. Then on Saturday, May 22nd, it's stage seven, it's an individual time trial through the streets of downtown Los Angeles until Sunday. An unusual and exciting finishing stage in Thousand Oaks, California, as the riders complete four 21-mile circuits, beginning and ending in Thousand Oaks, not far from Amgen's corporate headquarters. This will feature, well, a climb that a lot of us from Southern California are very familiar with, especially if you've ever done one of my favorite centuries, cruising the Conejo, the Rock Store Climb, as the riders head up that climb up over Mulholland, one more climb descending back into Thousand Oaks and going around three more times. It's going to be an exciting week of racing. We're going to be bringing you 
lots of coverage here on the Fredcast and on our sister podcast, the Daily Tour Podcast. I'll make sure I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can subscribe to that on iTunes. We're going to be partnering once again this year with the folks over at Bicycle.net, sharing resources and sharing coverage. That is going to be spectacular. So look for more coverage on the Tour of California coming up beginning on May the 16th. And while we're on the subject of the Amgen Tour of California, if those of you who are in Southern California are interested, we are going to be having a tweet-up. You don't have to be on Twitter to come to a tweet-up. We're going to be having it on Saturday, May the 22nd, immediately after the conclusion of the individual time trial on Stage 7. We're going to be having this at Bottle Rock in downtown Los Angeles. The tweet-up will be going from 6 until 8 p.m. Now, if you're not familiar with what a tweet-up is, just take the TW out and put in an M. It's a meetup. It's a chance for fans of the Fredcast, fans of professional cycling, to get together, enjoy each other's company, have some food and drinks, and just have a good time. Please, if you're in Southern California, plan to join us at the tweet-up at Bottle Rock in downtown L.A., Saturday, May the 22nd, from 6 until 8 p.m. Details are still being worked out, but from what I understand, we will be meeting in the lounge area where Bottle Rock is offering happy hour prices on select wines by the glass and beers until 8 p.m. If you go to the bar and you purchase after 7, you're going to be charged regular price, but from what I understand, the food and the drinks at Bottle Rock are fantastic, and the company, well, it's going to be second to none. Join us on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to meeting you, or is it tweeting you? Two more notes about the world of professional cycling. And the first one, well, it may sideline Tor Husov from the Tour de France this coming July. Tor was training with some folks in Italy earlier last week, and he unfortunately collided with a little girl in the roadway. Now, the little girl is fine. Tor unfortunately broke his collarbone, and he had to undergo surgery to repair the break. The collarbone could sideline Tor for three weeks, but according to reports that I've read, complications could lead to a two-month absence, and the Tour de France begins on July the 3rd. It would be great to see him back on the start line for this year's Tour de France. He was the green jersey in 2009 and the green jersey in 2005. And finally, while I mentioned earlier that there are no changes in the world rankings in the world of professional cycling, atop those rankings is Alejandro Valverde. And as you know, if you've been listening to the Fredcast for any length of time, the Italian Olympic Committee, or CONI, has banned Alejandro Valverde from racing in Italy as the result of an investigation into Alejandro Valverde's connection with the Puerto drug or blood doping scandal in Spain. Well, a Madrid court recently ruled that the Italian Olympic Committee was acting lawfully when it seized a bag of blood that linked Valverde to Operation Puerto in 2008. An earlier Spanish court had ruled that the Italian Olympic Committee had acted unlawfully, so there is a chance that this ruling will clear the way for Valverde to be banned worldwide, which is something that the Court of Arbitration for Sport is currently considering. 
A few weeks ago here on the Fredcast, we talked about the fact that Google Maps has added cycling directions, at least here in the United States. Well, for those of you who have an Android-powered phone using Android's firmware 1.6 or later, go into the Android Marketplace and update your Google Maps because you are now getting bicycle directions on Google Maps on your phone. Sorry, iPhone and BlackBerry users, this update is not for you. Just remember, as we talked about here on the show, the cycling directions in Google Maps are still, well, a little bit in beta. So make sure that you take the directions that Google gives you either on your Android phone or on your computer with a bit of a grain of salt and a little bit of intelligence and common sense applied. Meanwhile, here in the United States, we have AAA, the American Automobile Association. That's our auto club. And up in Canada, you have the Canadian Automobile Association, or the CAA. And at least in the province of Ontario, CAA has taken a big step that's important for their cycling members. CAA is now introducing Bike Assist, otherwise known as Roadside Assistance for You and your bike. According to the CAA website, if you run into a problem that can't be fixed on the spot, CAA will tow you and your bike wherever you need to go. It's a regular part of your membership, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and unbelievably, Members do not have to pay extra to be eligible for bike assist. It is now a permanent benefit for existing members. Kudos to CAA for offering roadside assistance to cyclists. And finally, I don't know about you, but it irks me every time I need a little decongestant and I have to go fill out paperwork and show ID simply because there are folks out there who use the ingredients, pseudoephedrine, uh, in their manufacturing of crystal meth. It also irks me that when I need to buy a can of spray paint in order to you know, spray a piece of furniture or do some work around the house, I have to go to the guy at Home Depot to unlock a cage because there's people out there who use spray paint for graffitiing walls and buildings literally all over the world. Well, imagine how irked Daniel Cottrell was when he was shopping in a store recently in the UK and was barred from the purchase of a patch kit for his bicycle. Cottrell was shopping in one of the UK's equivalents of what we have here, the 99 cent store with his dad, and he wanted to buy a puncture kit for his bicycle tires. Unfortunately, the teen who was just a few months shy of his 18th birthday was barred from the purchase because the patch kit contained a glue stick. The glue stick contained solvents and the shopkeeper was concerned that Daniel might sniff the solvents in order to get high. Daniel and his father were both stunned, but it turns out that there's a UK law known as the Intoxicating Substances Supply Act of 1985. And under this act, it is an offense to sell any intoxicating substances to a person under the age of 18, such as solvent-based glues, aerosols, dry cleaning fluid, correction fluid, and marker pens. Stop right there. Your kids can't go into a store and buy whiteout or marks or puncture kits 
Does that make sense to you? In my world, not so much. According to Hussein Lalani of 99P Stores, staff were acting within the rules. He said, quote, this product does contain a solvent, a glue, which is an age-restricted product. There's a risk that kids could inhale the product. I'm sorry if any offense was caused. Quite frankly, it's not the staff of 99P Stores' fault, and it's not 99P Stores' fault that this came about. The fact of the matter is, there were some politicians and lawmakers out there who, at least in my opinion, went a bit too far. I don't want to live in a world where my kids can't walk into a store and buy a Marks a lot, can't buy Whiteout, and you know what? I can't go buy my decongestant. That's going to do it for the news section of this week's episode of the Fredcast. Now, before we get to the features, I got a little feature from our friends at Jensen USA. As you'll recall, a couple of weeks ago, we asked you to send us your customer service stories because I keep telling you that Jensen USA isn't just about great prices. It's also about great selection and great support. And we got numerous entries and two winners were chosen. These winners are each getting an Easton handlebar. Our winners are Derek and Scott, and we thought we would bring their stories to you here on the Fredcast. Hey, David. This is Derek, and I'm calling to tell you about my last experience with Jensen USA. Every time I have placed an order with this company, they have been flawless. The last time I placed an order with them, one of my items went on back order. And the very next day, I received a call from customer service to discuss the options that I had. And they had contacted the manufacturer to update the status of my order and found out that it wouldn't be available for a couple of weeks. So we just decided to go ahead and eliminate it. Um, I thought it was exceptional that they took the time to do that for me. And every time I have ordered something with them, they have been far exceeded my expectations. I couldn't be happier with them, and I just wanted to call and let you know. So thank you, and thanks, Jensen USA. Hi, David. This is Scott May. Having heard about Jensen USA's sponsorship of the Fredcast recently, I decided to give them a shot on a couple of parts I was needing. My wife recently had carpal tunnel surgery, and the pressure on her hands when you know, her hands were on the bar was not pleasant. I called Jensen looking for the shortest length handlebar stem possible. I also needed one that had a 15 to 20 degree rise to take some of the pressure off her scars. The customer service agent I spoke with helped me select a Ritchie adjustable rise stem that perfectly suited my wife's needs. Jensen's definitely going to be getting all of my parts and accessories business. You know, thanks to you at, you at the Fredcast and to Jensen for sponsoring your you know, your show. Well, thanks and congratulations to Derek and Scott for sending in their customer service experiences. If you'd like to have a good customer service experience of your own, go to Jensen USA. And you know what? The best way to get there is to go to www.jensenusa.com slash thefredcast. And by the way, when you do, check out the cool graphic that they made just for the Fredcast landing page. It is simply amazing. I love it. Uh, and I think you'll love it too. And by the way, that was put together by Bean Leaf Press at beanleafpress.com. And I want to say kudos to them for the amazing graphic. Thanks so much to Jensen USA for their sponsorship of the Fredcast. And thank you 
for your support of Jensen USA. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to interview Joe Allen from thinkpinkcycling.com. Now in the interview, we get into what it is that Joe is doing, but let me say that she has undertaken three epic challenges. Most of us would consider doing one and stopping, but she's doing all three in rapid succession. She's here in the United States right now. I'm going to get a chance to meet her during the tour of California coming up, but I was connected to her by Martha Van Inwegen from Action Wipes, and I thought her story was compelling and interesting and a great adventure that many of us would be very interested in doing ourselves And I thought that you would enjoy hearing Joe's story. So here's my interview from earlier this week with Joe Allen from thinkpinkcycling.com. Enjoy. Today on the phone, I am really pleased to be joined by Joe Allen. Joe is from thinkpinkcycling.com. Joe, good afternoon and welcome to the Fredcast. Hi, David. (laughs) It is great to have you here. And, you know, where is here for you right now? Here at the moment, I'm uh, just outside of, uh, I'm about an hour outside of L.A. at this point. Okay, and and if I understand correctly, uh, you are undertaking some really, well, some would say amazing, some would say crazy challenges. Tell us a little bit about the challenges that you have decided to undertake. Yeah, I've heard the word crazy more often than I've heard amazing, actually. <laughs> Um, so the whole uh, cycle challenge is um, 10,000 kilometers, which is about uh, 6,200 miles, I think. Um, it's split into three parts. So the first part is to cycle all eight stages of the Tour of California. And uh, I'm going to do that on the same day as the actual as the tour is taking place. Um, and then I uh, head up, up north at the west coast and do a ride west coast to east coast across the whole U.S., so that starts in Seattle and uh, ends over, over in Maine. And uh, and then the third part, so the last 2,000 kilometers, is um, back over in Europe in, in the French Alps, and that's uh, doing something called the Saint-Col Challenge, which, uh, as the name suggests, is uh, 100 coles of, of the Alps, and uh, that's, that's over about 10 days. Okay, that's a lot. So let's let's back up because already I think people are out of breath just thinking about all those things you're going to do. First of all, let's talk about why you would want to do something like this. Well, I guess you know I've I've always wanted to do something a little bit epic. Um, but there was a time when I was going to row across the Atlantic, um, but unfortunately that that never really happened for for various reasons. Um, and so, you know, I signed up to do the Sont Col Challenge first. That was going to be my big challenge for this year. Um, and then it just grew into something a bit bigger from that. So, yes, it's, you know, it's an itch that needed to be scratched at some point. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned rowing across the Atlantic because your story first came to me through uh, Martha Van Inwegen from Action Wipes. And yeah. so the first thing I did was I, I went to your website and... You sort of remind me of Roz Savage, someone who has rode across the Pacific solo, who is currently on the third and final leg of her solo row across the Pacific. Um, tell me, 
what makes you want to do something in your words a little bit epic? What what is it in you that that makes you want to do something like this? Well, I guess it's just doing something that's you know that's that's really memorable in some ways that you know I'll I'll look back on when I'm old and grey and um, and yeah it's just tr- truly memorable. So I, you know I've done a number of, of sporting things, but I, I think this is is. Um, totally crazy (laughs) yeah i just wanted to do something a bit mad (laughs) and but well a little bit like roz who's who's again you know the ocean rower you come from from you come from a corporate background like she does don't you yeah that's right and i remember meeting roz so i I met her and before she did her first atlantic row and Mm. i got to know her reasonably well then and you know she's i mean she's truly inspirational and, and totally, totally mad. And I remember seeing her after her Atlantic row as well. Um, but I guess, you know, the difference is she does that totally alone. So, I, you know, I get a lot out of doing these things and just meeting new people along the way. And, you know, I'll do that on all of the different challenges. Um, whereas, yeah, doing something totally alone like that is, um, I, I don't think I could comprehend it. But, yeah, she came from a corporate background and, decided that you know she wanted to take a break from that and and do do a mad challenge and you know that's similar to me really and I've been pretty lucky that my my boss has given me the time off and um, to be fair it was it was him that said to me when I asked him for some time off to do some training for the song cold challenge he he turned around and said to me you know I absolutely understand why he'd like to take some time off but um, you know, you can have the time off if you do something, you know, come back with a plan and do something really memorable. So that's how 2,000 kilometers just suddenly turned into 10. I, I, I like your boss already. That's that's really yeah, an amazing thing for a boss to say. Um, yeah. you, you talked about, about being joined by other people. And so let's let's get to some of these challenges. The first one, of course, is riding every stage of the Tour of California. And as you said, you're going to be doing that on the day that the, the men's pros are going to be riding as well. I'm wondering, you probably won't be riding alone, will you? Um, no, I'm expecting there'll be a lot of other people that'll be there riding each of the, each of the stages. So I'm doing it with a company um, called um, Cycling Camp San Diego who are doing um, a training camp around the Tour of California as well. So... Um, they're supporting it. They're going to make sure that I'm at, at the start and, and will pick me up at the finish for each of the of the stages. So they'll have people that are on the training camp that are cycling at least part of it. But I'm expecting the roads to be pretty busy that day with, you know, with, with lots of people doing each of the stages. So I'm not expecting to be alone, but um, I don't expect to stay in front of the peloton for the whole day either. <laughs> I, think, I think there may have to be a bit of a break midway to, to let the peloton go past. Right. And now, uh, one of the things I was going to ask is how can people find you? Now, I'm guessing with with a website like thinkpinkcycling.com that you're probably, I don't know, do you have some pink items with you? Uh, just a little bit, yes. <laughs> So, you know, the bike is the bike is a bit pink. It has touches of pink on it. But um, so the whole name Think Pink Cycling really came from, from my car. I have a bright pink convertible Mini, which came over to the U.S. with me. That, that was shipped over, and that's um, I've driven that across from New York over to the West Coast. And uh, I've got a lot of strange looks, a lot of people pointing, but 
you know, lots of people have seen it and they've seen the, the posters on it and, and the stickers. And I've had lots of people giving me, you know, big thumbs up and waving on the way past as well. So, you know, I've had lots of support on the road. But, uh, yeah, Think Pink came from the Think Pink Mini, which I'm uh, afraid to say I owned before Think Pink Cycling. So now, of the course, Think Pink Mini is mine. <laughs> Martha was telling me a little bit about the car. First of all, it's right-hand drive, yes? Yes, yeah. And- and I, I understand that you bought it from someone who who really went all the way pink with this car, didn't he? Yes, yeah. His wife liked pink, so he bought her. Well, he bought a silver mini. Many don't make pink ones, but he bought a silver one and and had it resprayed inside and out, so the inside is pink as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty bright, and um, and it has a heart shaped exhaust on it as well, which is totally mad. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, people should look out for the Think Pink Mini driving around California as well. So from California, you you head up to Washington and you're going to ride across the United States again. Is that something you're doing solo? Um, No, that's, uh, so there's a company called Cycle America that that organize tours across the U.S. So there's a number of people that I think will be doing either the whole coast-to-coast ride or they'll be doing individual, so it's nine weeks in total. And I think some people may just come and cycle one week of it and do one state. But there will be a few people doing the whole coast-to-coast. And and then you go back over to Europe for Saint-Coal. And I've, I mean, I haven't counted how many coals I did in Europe, but I would think 100 would have would have killed me. What are some of the major ones that you're doing, do you know? Um, pretty much all of the, the famous ones around the Alps. And we do kind of go up into, uh, into Provence as well. We do Mont Ventoux, we do Galibier. Um, I'm trying to remember all of the others now. But, well, those uh, are certainly two of the famous Alpes. ones. Yeah, yeah. So we, we pretty much do, do most of them. In total, over 10 days, we do about 43,000 meters of, of ascent. Over, over 10 days. So that's certainly going to be the toughest part of it. Absolutely. And now let's get to the most important part. Um, I understand why you're doing it personally, but I also understand that you are trying to raise money for some important charities. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought something something this big, I could I could raise some, some money for, for charity. And I wanted to do that for both UK and US charities as well. So, I mean, I you know, I I love the the Livestrong Foundation and you know everything that they that they stand for. Um, you know, I think it's a great cause. So, um, yeah, I'm raising money for Livestrong, um, and then uh, a charity in the UK which I came across called Cyclists Fighting Cancer. That's run by a guy called Mike Grisenthwaite, who's you know two times cancer survivor now. He's absolutely fantastic guy. Um, and, and provides uh, bikes for children that have um, suffered from cancer. And, you know, a lot of them have had um, pretty major surgery and they have mobility problems, and so provides um, like specially adapted tricycles for them. Mm. And then the third charity is um, something called Chase Hospice for Children, which, um, to be honest, is a charity that my boss supports. Um, and so he asked me as the third charity to support them. And uh, I, I went and met them, and they just do some absolutely amazing work uh, you know, for families that have children that are essentially not going to survive beyond the age of, of 19. So, you know, they're a great cause to support. Wow. Now, I understand that you have some sponsors, uh, uh, and I'm sure you'd like to mention some of them, but, but I also understand that the majority of this is being personally funded. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm going to absolutely love this, the five or six months that it takes me to do this. So, you know, I'm happy to, to fund it myself. Um, but, you know, any sponsorship, 100% of that will go directly to the charities. It didn't seem right to me to take money out of sponsorship to pay for me to have a great time for, for a few months. So, you know, all of all of it goes directly to the charities. Um, but, you know, as yet, so I have... Um, a lot of people individually who've been fantastic and uh, either have or will um, give me donations. Uh, there's been a number of companies that have supported me with um, products. So uh, Rafa has given me some clothing. Um, they've just launched a new women's range, so I'm, I'm trialling that for them at the moment. Um, but as yet, you know, I don't don't have that big corporate sponsor. So anyone out there that wants their logo on a bright pink mini that's um, getting noticed all over the U.S., and they should get in touch. Nice. Um, I, I've got to ask you, uh, as you have been traveling across the States, I understand that you, your car came across on a on a freighter. Uh, yep. And so you've been driving across the States. We Americans are sometimes known for being a little bit quirky and perhaps a little odd. I'm wondering what's been the most interesting experience you've had as you've driven across the States. Oh wow! There's there's been so many. <laughs> it's it's been a bit of a, a learning experience, and I guess you know anyone that goes on the website and looks at my blog from last week will will see. You know, I had some pretty amusing moments in my first week here. I got a few things wrong. <laughs> I had some you know, New York police officer who kind of challenged me on why I was driving a right-hand drive car and I thought he was trying to be amusing so I came back with with a, some what I thought was a witty comment which didn't go down particularly well <laughs> you know I, I I stopped off to use to use a restroom in in uh, Kmart and totally forgot that you call them restrooms here so I asked where the toilets were so they promptly directed me to the aisle where the toilet seats were <laughs> so there's been <laughs> There's been a lot of memorable moments, but, you know, it's been great to drive across the whole country and just see you know, different parts. And it's been quite, you know, it's been surprising. I've seen you know, places that are just truly beautiful that I, I never expected. So you know, a place like New Mexico, I, you know, I had no idea what to expect there. And it just turned out to be you know, absolutely stunning. So there's been so many memorable moments. I'm curious cycling when when you think about the fact that you're going to be doing these epic adventures on a bicycle uh, and that you're going to be using the bicycle to try to raise money and awareness for some important causes how has the bicycle played a part in your life and has it has it been something that that has brought about uh, uh, sort of have you had epiphanies on the bike? Has it been something that's brought about important changes in your life? Has it been something that has been an important fixture in your life? And maybe you can explain that to our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I started cycling after I so I retired from, from competitive rowing and, and thought, you know, I need to take up another sport. And so took up cycling from that and just you know was absolutely hooked from from day one really but um you know i just love getting out there on on the bike and just riding so i don't particularly ride competitively but 
it's just it's a great way of meeting people and I think you know my trip over here really demonstrates that that um you know there are so many people that that I've been put in touch with that you know I've, I've been linked up with through through the internet or you know through Twitter and it's just it's a fantastic network and you know a great community to be a part of so you know it's as much about the people that you meet I think as um you know as, as the cycling itself yeah absolutely Joe since you mentioned the internet why don't you let everybody know how they can sort of keep up on your adventure. I've been enjoying your blog, by the way. So let everybody know how they can keep up on you and your adventures. Yeah, well, there's the website, which is thinkpinkcycling.com. I've also got a Facebook page, which is Think Pink Cycling Challenges. And then um, I I have uh, Twitter as well, which I'm I'm slowly getting to grips with Twitter and tweeting. And that's um, pinkcycling at twitter.com. Excellent. So they're, they're the best ways. Oh, good. Well, Joe, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm looking forward to meeting you at the Tour of California. Uh, in, in the meantime, enjoy your time here in the States, and thank you for joining us here on the Fredcast. Great. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview. Of course, I've got links in the show notes to Joe's website, her Twitter page, and also to where you can find her on Facebook. And if you're going to the Tour of California, look for that bright pink think pink mini thanks so much joe for the interview i look forward to seeing you at the tour of california well next i want to tell you about a product that i have been trying and give you my impressions of it you may recall a few weeks ago we had a rather lengthy conversation about the use of headphones while cycling and this is something we've been talking about pretty much since day one here on the fredcast a lot of places at least here in the united states allow the use of a single headphone while riding, but you have to keep one ear open. Some places allow you to use both. And a lot of folks feel that no matter what the law is, putting anything in your ears will hamper your ability to cycle safely out on the streets. Because of course, you need to be able to hear other cyclists, other cars, pedestrians, things going on around you. And as soon as you block out one of your senses, well, you're handicapping yourself when you're out there on the road. Well, one of the Fredcast listeners recommended a product to me that he had been trying, and it's a product called Audio Bone. Audio Bone is a set of headphones that do not go into your ears. They don't go on your ears. They conduct sound waves through the bones in your head to allow you to hear the music or the speech or whatever it is that you're trying to hear. Now, according to Audiobone, and this is quoting right from them, Ludwig von Beethoven, the famous 18th century composer who was partially deaf, discovered bone conduction. Beethoven attached a rod to his piano and clenched it between his teeth to hear music through his jawbone. After several technology advancements, medically approved hearing aids that use bone conduction are now available. For instance, you've heard of cochlear implants. Bone conduction devices transform sound waves into tiny vibrations that are directly heard by your inner ear bypassing the eardrum. Now, according to Audiobone, Audiobone is the first stereo headphone with true high fidelity sound using bone conduction. So, I gave Audiobone 
a try. The first thing that I did was I opened up the package and I found that they were kind of a unique shape. Audio Bone requires that the uh, sort of strap portion goes behind your neck and then there's a loop that brings the audio bones over the top of your ears and then what would normally be speakers are actually vibration devices that sit on the bone that's directly in front of your ear canal. So for instance, if you take your finger right now and you point it at your ear canal and then you move directly forward toward your nose and you go maybe a quarter to a half an inch and you press, you can feel that there's a bone there. And that's essentially where audio bones sit in front of your ear directly on that bone. And that bone is what's used to put those vibrations into your head, allowing you to hear the music. So they loop over your head and these vibration devices sit on your bones. So of course, the first thing that I did was I hooked them up to my iPod and I wore them around the house. And I found that yes, I could hear music, I could hear speech, but that I needed to turn my iPod up all the way in order to hear clearly. And when I did so, people around me, my wife, my kids, said that they could clearly hear the music as well. But I understood that Audiobone is also really for a noisy environment where you're riding on the road, you have uh, wind noise, you have other noises around you, and in that situation, nobody's really going to be able to hear the music or the words uh, as they're coming out. So I put them on my head, I put my sunglasses on, I put my helmet on, I went out on the road, and I went for about a 15 or 20 mile ride. The problem was, I couldn't hear the music very well. No matter how high I turned up the volume, no matter where I adjusted the audio bones to sit on my head, I couldn't hear the music very well. So I switched to a spoken word podcast, just like what you're listening to now. Turned the volume up all the way. I played with the equalizer function on my iPod to try to make the spoken word easier to hear. But when I got out on the road, I couldn't make out the words. In short, my experience with the audio bone was that the only way that I could hear what was coming through the headphones, and this is going to sound strange, was if I plugged my ears. And then the sounds vibrating through my head came through much more clearly. Still, not very loud. So in short, I haven't found the audio bone to be a product that I would recommend or a product that I would use. To make matters worse, when I wore the audio bone, after 15 to 20 minutes, my head hurt. Specifically, the vibration against the bones and the way that they sit on my head simply wasn't comfortable. So while I'm glad to hear that the audio bone has worked for some of you, at least for me, I didn't find the audio audible, and I didn't find the headphones comfortable. I think it's a great concept and something which may, over time, get perfected to the point where it may be something that I would recommend and something that I would use. But for now, at least for me, the audio bone just doesn't fit the bill.
If you're interested in more information on Audiobone, go to audioboneheadphones.com. And if you're interested in purchasing Audiobones, they're available for $139 US from the audioboneheadphones.com website. And they do come with a 45-day risk-free money-back guarantee. So give them a try. Perhaps your experience will be different than mine. And if so, call the Fredcast listener hotline. Tell me I was wrong. According to their 45-day risk-free money-back guarantee, if you're not completely satisfied, simply return them to Audiobone for a full refund. Links are in the show notes. Okay, a couple of upcoming events I want to tell you about. First of all, we've been talking about it all month. It is still National Bike Month. Today was actually Bike to Work Day in the city of San Francisco, but next week is the official National Bike to Work Week with Bike to Work Day on May the 21st. Great time of year to get out on your bike, encourage your friends, your family, and your coworkers to do the same. Get everybody out there on their bikes next Friday, and I guarantee you at least some of them will continue doing it for the Fridays to come and maybe even in all of the workdays to come. It's a great trend. Pass it along with your friends. The next event I want to tell you about is the bike ride across Nebraska. You know, we hear a lot every year about RAGBRAI, the Register's annual great bicycle ride across Iowa. Well, there's a lot of bike rides across various states, including right here in Utah. And this one is the bike ride across Nebraska taking place from June 6th through the 12th. And they're expecting about 600 riders this year. And this year, they're celebrating the state's ties to space exploration, and they are calling this 35th annual event the Space Cowboy Tour. It's a 481-mile ride that starts in Harrison, Nebraska, and ends at the Strategic Air and Space Museum in Ashland, also home of the astronaut Clayton Anderson. The ride is sponsored by the Rotary Club of Omaha Northwest and the Omaha Peddlers Bicycle Club, and proceeds are used for scholarships for Nebraska high school graduates. Go to thefredcast.com and click the show notes for links to the bike ride across Nebraska and also to our next upcoming event. And This one is really cool. This one takes place June the 20th, 2010. That's Father's Day, and it is the first ever Denver Century Ride, and this is the first Century Ride that Denver has ever had. This year will be the inaugural Denver Century Ride, and it's going to be sponsored by Coldwell Banker. Now, the ride has three courses. They all start and end at Invesco Field at Mile High. The first is a 22-mile family fun ride that features flat paths that wind along the South Platte River. The more challenging routes then go from there, including a metric century and a full 100-mile century with a route that gives you over 4,000 feet of climbing through urban, suburban, rural settings, including plains, foothills, and mountain terrain. Proceeds from this ride will benefit five local charities, including the Davis Finney Foundation for Parkinson's, the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center, Denver's Road Home, Bike Denver, and Bicycle Colorado. Links are in the show notes, but if you live anywhere near Denver, Colorado, get yourself to the inaugural 
first ever Denver Century Ride on June 20th. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fredcast. Before we go, I do want to thank our sponsors. This week's episode of the Fredcast is sponsored by Keen Footwear. And remember, we talked to you about the Coronado Cruiser. If you're looking for a casual shoe that's great on or off the bike, check out the Keen Coronado Cruiser by going to www.thefredcast and clicking the link for Keen right there at the top of the page. This week's features were sponsored by Jensen USA, and you heard about their great customer service, and I've continued to tell you all about their great prices and great selection in addition to their great customer service. Go to www.jensenusa.com slash thefredcast for more details. And of course, thank you for your support of our sponsors and for your support of the Fredcast. Through your donations, click the Donate Now link at www.thefredcast.com. We thank our sponsors and you for their support. Contacting the Fredcast and staying in touch with us is extremely easy. The best way to know what's going on with the Fredcast at any given moment is to follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fredcast. You can also send an email at any time to thefredcast at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fredcast. Our website, well, we've talked about it throughout the show. It's www.thefredcast.com. And of course, if you'd like to send your comments along, feel free to do so by calling the Fredcast listener hotline at area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. And that leaves just one thing left to do this evening, and that's give you this week's Podsafe Cycling Music. This week's Podsafe Cycling Music was chosen specifically for the Fredcast by the Cadence Revolution, your weekly podcast of Podsafe Music that's perfect for your indoor cycling. Available at www.cadencerevolution.com. This week's music is by Albert Cummings. It's a live version of his song, Party Right Here, and it definitely gets us ready for the bike tweet-up party next week at the Tour of California, and yes, links are in the show notes. Well, between this show and the next, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for staying subscribed. Thanks for your reviews on iTunes. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. But most of all, thanks for being a Fredcast listener. Between this show and the next, enjoy the music. But most of all, enjoy the ride. Yeah.
Perfect time, get yourself a nice cold. 